folks it is back welcome to football sunday uh on this week's episode of tipping passes we have a a great show for you this week uh andrew luck and his snowboarding accident he opens up about that uh rob gronkowski possibly traded from the patriots we got all that and more coming down the pipeline for you uh but bobby i'm just excited the football's back how about you oh yeah football sunday here we are you know me lifelong big time football fan never cared about any other sport yeah uh how's sam darnold gonna do this year i don't Is know that a football player like i don't know i just googled nfl news and i'm just reading the first things that i see wait those were real headlines you didn't make those up no nah, i didn't make those up. those are very Andrew real like opens up about his snowboarding injury <laughs> yeah what a wild world god i was just joking with you before the podcast that baseball fans are the only fans that like don't enjoy their sport the company that I work at, big football company, for sure. Big football and basketball company. And everyone was like super excited that football's back, even though Thursday night's game was like a very ugly game to watch between the Falcons and the Eagles. And I was joking with you that on social media, I see all the time, like MLB will tweet out that video of Alex Bregman and the Astros like doing a celebration in the dugout or Ronald Acuna dancing. And people will be like, why is this relevant to baseball again? <laughs> Or how come you don't tweet about my team? Yeah, yeah, that's mostly what it is. It's like I, I just want social media content catered exactly to me. Yeah, and we should start a tweet curation service. Yeah, for baseball. Fans. I think that's just called team accounts, right? Like, <laughs> like just follow your team and it'll be fine. Yeah, pretty much. But team accounts, they're not funny usually. <laughs> it's usually just like I don't know. You know what I mean? They're they're usually just like game starts at seven today and then like a gif and they're like yeah. we're cool eight eight emojis in a row <laughs> the mlb at that app puts a lot of emojis and all of their notifications too they're like googling how to be young yeah it really this actually is something that like it kind of bothers me a little bit because it feels very much like um i don't know smarmy in a way like it's talking to all of us like like we're kids or something uh, and it's like, no, we can, we're big boys. Like we can, we can handle this news. Like you can just tell me what happened. You don't have to like throw, uh, nine fire emojis in there to tell me like how unbelievable this catch was. Like, it's okay. Really? Yeah. I agree with that. But to be fair, like the Yahoo sports app, which I think is really good. And it's been my favorite sports app that I've had on my phone for, in terms of like general sports. Yahoo will pay same. you after the episode for yeah. that endorsement. Yahoo sports. This year, coming to you with live NFL shows. Uh, <laughs> but no, they use a lot of emojis as well. Like, they put, like, that shocked emoji with the hands over the face all the time. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, all right, guys. All right, guys. We get it. You have, like, a bunch of old white guys writing for you and a bunch of young white people handling your social media accounts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the uh, equation for that. <laughs> there, I don't actually want to talk about football on this podcast but there is there's one thing before we move on to our list of things the one thing that feels like 
remotely relevant is the fact that Le'Veon Bell, who is a running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers, is like not playing week one, right? Because he's holding out because he wants a better contract. And given the amount of labor stuff that we talk about on this podcast, it feels relevant and eerily similar to a lot of the conversations we had in the off season, right? I mean, he's missing one game, but the Steelers are preparing for him to miss like 10. Uh, can you imagine if uh, this off season, Bryce Harper held out until like August to sign with a team because they weren't going to pay him enough money? Can you imagine how much ridicule he would get for that sort of thing? Oh, Le'Veon Bell's getting a lot of ridicule though. Oh, I know he's getting a ton of ridicule. Like his I don't, own teammates. Yeah, it's it's really bad. Every article that's written about him is like, so Le'Veon Bell hasn't showed up to play week one, and uh, and he's not getting that check as well. And it's like, we yeah, we get it, guys. Like he's not gonna make money off this game. We understand. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. I don't know. I don't know how it would work in baseball. Like, ha- have there been any high profile holdouts where like people didn't even show up by the time game started? Like someone of Le'Veon Bell's caliber. I don't know. I, okay, so I'm reading. I'm reading this book about the the Oakland A's of the like six, late '60s and '70s, um, mm-hmm. and that was actually a, like a relatively common tactic that a handful of players pulled back then. And this is really before. I mean, this is kind of in the midst of like free agency coming about. But there were like a handful of players, including like Reggie Jackson, who threatened to like not play for months on end because he wanted to get paid more so i can't think of anything recently though it's a little different in football when there's like a salary cap in baseball it's like there's no reason that the team won't give in and like sign them to whatever because every baseball team can spend more and should spend more and in the nfl it's like they've limited what teams can spend in order for the owners to ensure that they make the most money possible yeah so slightly different but I'm with I'm with Le'Veon on this one. He's trying to get his money, dude. <laughs> yeah, I respect it. Okay, but you know who should really get paid big time this offseason, if only for his bat flips? <laughs> That's how Victor we solve. Caratini. <laughs> That's how we solve the labor issue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we pay people for bat flips. I honestly I'm here for it, man. I'd be down. Yeah, man. So if you don't know, Victor Caratini, who I guess this is his first year with the Cubs. The Cubs keep calling up these random dudes and they are mashing. Like, and then they're just Bode. good. Like, like, are the Cubs the new Cardinals? <laughs> I really hope not. But they kind I of know. are. Yeah. No, no, it's not true. <laughs> I'm like, I'm Alive looking back. To, to Bobby's thought process on this. I'm waffling back and forth because Joe Madden is uniquely unlikable, but not really in the same way that Tony LaRusso was. Yeah, or like Mike Matheny or anything like that. Yeah, Mike Matheny's like, a different breed. Yeah, Joe Madden's like the the hipster unlikable, you know, where he's just like kind of annoying because he doesn't stop talking about how he loves La Cologne cold brew or whatever. Yeah, goes to Brooklyn once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and the Cardinals are unlikable in the like play the game the right way kind of way. Yeah. Um. So I, I only eat at white owned establishments. <laughs> God. Um, so Victor Caratini, it was the top of the fourth against the Washington Nationals. First of all, broadly speaking, really weird week for baseball with this like East Coast inclement weather. It, it like sort of ruined the Nationals Cubs series and 
then they like rescheduled the game and then there was a, a double header and it's a whole thing that i was seeing unfold on twitter but not really experiencing because i don't care about either of these teams that much because <laughs> it's not the playoffs yet and the nationals are basically out of the playoffs yeah um but caratini hit a home run off jeffrey rodriguez and like before he could even complete not just swing, not just a home run a grand slam oh was it yeah oh yeah yeah it was damn and he knew it right away it was the whole like bryce harper didn't even he barely even moved yeah. <laughs> in right field and he pulled just a iconic bat flip dude he it was like kbo level he flung it straight back towards the dugout yeah it was I saw, it was beautiful i saw a still of it and you can barely even see the bat it's like almost not even in the frame <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is wonderful. And people were comparing it to David Bodie's earlier in the season, but like honestly, Bodie's doesn't hold a candle to this one. Like this was this is like what we've been asking for when we would ask for bat flips. Like everyone should go watch this video if you haven't already because it's it's one of those ones where like there was no effort behind it at all. Like it was just finishing the follow through and he like flicked his wrist just a tiny bit and it just went spinning end over end into space i mean it was it was really a thing of beauty so apparently he's like a baseball player that i didn't know existed before just now but he played 31 games for the cubs last year and he's played 63 for the cubs this year (laughs) there you go haven't been watching a ton of cubs regular season baseball this year i suppose um catcher pinch hitter and first baseman Imagine pinch hitter being your second listed thing on baseball reference. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if I didn't know who he was before now, I certainly do at this moment. And I will never forget the joy that his bad flip gave me. Uh, yeah. One of these days, I really want to do an article just like breaking down the like the five tenets of bat flipping, you know, like, what is it? Like, what does it need? I mean, this had everything. This had distance, this had height, this had spin rate, this had the lack of effort behind it. I mean, it was truly a thing of beauty. It certainly, it needs like a moment too. The fact that it was a grand slam made it a lot better. You're right though about the lack of effort thing. It has to, I mean, it doesn't have to actually lack effort. It has to like look like you're not trying that hard. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's either got to it's either got to go two ways, right? Because I think a lot of people just kind of like, you know, they throw the arm and the bat flip goes and you're like, "All right, whatever. He tried to flip his bat." It's either got to be this where there was zero effort behind it, uh, or Jose Batista where it was like statement flip. Like Yeah, where he like, like he wanted to flip that goddamn bat. Yeah. Stared into the camera. <laughs> exactly. I'm with you on that one. Um, speaking of doing a lot and having a lot of effort, <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Todd Frazier, <laughs> my man, the Todd father from none other than Tom's River, New Jersey. I don't know. Wait, if you New, Jer- New Jersey? New Jersey. Like that's the, right by New York. Yeah, the state. It's actually the state next to it. Wait, that's such a coincidence. Wow. <laughs> Who knew? Anyway, he, uh, he went diving into the stands for a pop-up in a Mets game this past week. And he came down. He looked like he came down with it from the original angle. But uh, subsequent angles showed that he dropped the real ball and picked up a rubber ball that was just sitting behind the fence in the stands. I guess it was like a kid's ball or maybe they had like handed them out or like a kid had brought them. Feels like you shouldn't be bringing other baseballs to a baseball game, but that's just my take. And he picked that ball up, the, the fake one, showed it to the umpire and the umpire called the batter out. And that yeah. was the end of the inning. And so he just chucked the ball back into the stands, which is not a weird thing to do if it's the end of the inning. 
would have been a suspicious thing to do if it wasn't the end of the inning. <laughs> but um, but yeah, he completely got away with it. And then there were like camera shots showing him like explaining what happened to his teammates. And uh, and then SNY pointed out that he did not catch the real baseball. Didn't it come out like after the game? Like did did they actually catch it in the middle of the game, or was it something that unfolded like the the day after? I think it came out either in the post game or like in the recap the next day. SNY doing that sleuthing. Yeah, seriously, investigative journalism. I was listening to a conversation about this on Effectively Wild, but they were talking about how this is sort of like on the border between uh, trying to get an advantage and like bad sportsmanship. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about it? Uh, I mean, I that's not really how I see it. Like you're trying to gain an edge any way you can. Like my mind jumps to something like pitch framing. Like the catchers should like I'm it, looking at it from the perspective of like catchers try to gain an advantage too, right? Like you're doing something that it might be deceitful. Like no catcher is going to be like, oh no, yeah, blue, that was a ball. My bad. Uh, that one was out of the zone. Like you, <laughs> you, you pull the ball in a little bit and you fudge it. Like, sure. I, if I, are you saying that? Are you anti Todd Frazier on this one? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I kind of am. Isn't that weird? Isn't it a weird thing for me to be anti Mets, anti Todd Frazier? Yeah. It's not like he, you know, trapped the ball on the ground, picked it up, and showed it to the umpire, and there was no way for the umpire to see it. He literally pulled out a different baseball. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, it's not like the catchers are just like pulling a ball out of their back pocket and throwing it across the plate themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, a part of me is confused. Like this feels like the kind of thing that you would get punished for. No, like, yeah, like for you to come out and just straight out, admit it to reporters what you did that feels like the kind of thing that mlb would be like hey buddy you uh you can't do that you can't talk about cheating it's like you're (laughs) saying the quiet part loud you know (laughs) yeah for sure i'm surprised that there is no just goes to show you man the difference between uh football and baseball this is like the deflate gate situation (laughs) yeah true (laughs) if this was football he would have been suspended for four games like tom brady yeah uh yeah i I don't know i don't think it's a little border i think it's borderline borderline to me yeah i don't know i don't really mind either way especially not that you can equate all like every aspect of like gaining an advantage over someone else but like we have also endorsed like peds on this podcast and uh or like or like using a little bit of pine tar to get a better grip on the ball oh i'm so pro peds yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but this is just like a sort of clown show kind of technique. <laughs> but he got away with it, man. I'm just if he if he got, hadn't gotten away with it, I would have been like, "You fucking scumbag." But the the man <laughs> the, the fact that he was able to dupe the umpire, I'm like, "Hey, you deserve it, man. Nice performance." Is there any other player in baseball who would try this? Um, like would Matt Chapman try that? Uh, no, probably not. I don't think what so. What does Todd Frazier have to lose at this point, though? Yeah. Do you think Derek Jeter would have done it? Oh God, no! I'm sure D- Jeter was like fuming in his seat watching this. Like <laughs> this is so so unprofessional. I can't believe he's representing New York, the greatest city on earth. Like I can't. Oh God! <laughs> Can you do the rest of the podcast in Derek Jeter? Yeah, in character? Just like, it's just like me, but slightly annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> me, but slightly annoyed. All right, let's move on. Shout out to Todd Frazier for getting away with it. I guess. And shout out to Jose Ramirez for being the first baseball player since Mike Trout and Ryan Braun 
to join the 3030 Club. Alex, the 3030 Club is something that you and I talk about tangentially on this podcast because we talk about how stealing bases are really fun. We've talked a lot about how uh, Matt Kemp almost made the 4040 Club at one point. And yeah. I know we've mentioned that a lot. And we just talk about how there's not a lot of guys who are like really electric in this way anymore. So Jose Ramirez, just in time for the recording of the podcast, made the 3030 Club. What are your thoughts? Is the 3030 Club back? Is the 3030 Club back? Uh, probably not because the trends like are going in the wrong, radio wrong direction for that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, that was um, my uh, Colin Cowherd impression. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's back per se, although there are a lot of, we do see a lot of really young, talented players these days coming up who certainly have the tools to do it, right? Like, I think a lot of the, the young budding superstars of baseball could do it if their managers wanted to send them to run, right? Like, they're obviously guys who can hit 30 home runs. Juan Soto could probably steal 30 bases if he wanted to. Uh, we know that Mike Trout can do it. The question is really just like, are they actually going to steal the bases? Which, like, the answer is probably no. But the world is better for Jose Ramirez just bestowing us with such a magical season. I think Trout could do it every year if he really wanted to. Yeah, probably. I think the Angels have probably told him not to do that. It's disappointing, though. I, I really like it. I understand the argument on the other end. It's like, oh, they might get hurt. Like, oh... It's not always cost-benefit effective, but um, it's one of my favorite plays in baseball, stealing. And then another one of my favorite plays in baseball, home runs. So um, <laughs> before 2012, it, it's really just like a cliff. Like it fell off a cliff. Before 2012, there were people doing it like pretty regularly, um, like every year, essentially. So there's 2012, like I said, Mike Trout, Ryan Braun. Four people did it in 2011. Ian Kinsler did it by himself in 2009. Uh, Hanley Ramirez and Grady Sizemore did it in 2008. My God. <laughs> then three people did it in 2007, including my beloved David Wright. And then, yeah, <laughs> just going all the way back, there were people who did it essentially every year before that. So it really was just like one year teams decided we shouldn't steal any more bases, you know, and or, or our good hitters shouldn't steal any more bases. And from that point on, it was just kind of dead. But Jose Ramirez doing it this year is at least encouraging. I don't know if it means that it'll come back though. Yeah. I mean, he's the, the fun part about it is that, so he's at 37 home runs right now. He very well could hit 40 on the year and have a 40, 30 season, which in baseball history, only 11 players have done. So I'm all here for, uh, for Jose Ramirez joining the record books uh, on his own, even if it doesn't mean that more will follow in his footsteps necessarily. And the Jose Ramirez, transformation over the last few years has been astounding to watch. And, you know, I'm in no small part um, excited about it because he's on my fantasy team. And so I'm very <laughs> happy about that. Uh, but he hit six home runs in 100 games in 2015, and then 11 home runs in 152 games in 2016. And then the year after that, 29 home runs in 152 games, and now 37 home runs in like 140 games. That's insane. Like yeah. players don't just get good like that overnight, except unless your name is Jose Ramirez, in which case yeah. I guess you do. I don't understand it either. And he's almost like, he doesn't get a ton of shine. We talked about that because of Lindor. 
I don't know if he'll ever have a season again where he's stolen enough bases to try this to try for forty forty. But yeah, um, it'd be hard. It'd be a lot. It'd be really hard. I can't believe the forty forty club only has four members. I don't even know that I could name them. As I assume Bonds is one. Yeah, Bonds. Another one is very obvious. A Rod. Yeah. Then you have uh, Alfonso Soriano yes. on the terrible 2006 Nationals. And the last one you should be able to get to, which I can't believe he stole 40 bases, but Jose Canseco. <laughs> oh my God. On the A's in 1988. Yeah. Damn. That's a throwback, man. Yeah, seriously. That was before all the steroids. Yeah, when I was home uh, with my dad and brother, we watched, we sat down and started watching like a 40 minute Jose Canseco documentary. And uh, interesting guy, man. I mean, it mostly just ended up being like a 40 minute Jose Canseco interview. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and he's, a, he's a weirdo. Not, not a great guy, but not but, at uh, all. <laughs> but yeah, Jose Canseco, 40 40. That's fun. Well, I hope, uh, I, tr- I think Trout could do it too, like if we're being honest. Yeah, they're never going to let him steal 40 bases. No, but he could, like, like I'm looking at a list of, not a list, but like, I'm just looking at who are our young, fun players. Like, Acuna could do it. Juan Soto could do it. Trout could do it. I mean, I think Lind- Lindor could definitely do it if he's yeah. not already on the verge of doing that. Yeah. Bring back the 30-30 club. Trout could do it. I mean, he's stolen 22 bases this year, and he's only played 122 games. He's only been caught could do it. Yeah. He's only been caught stealing twice. Yeah. They just don't want him to run. Exactly. Because I think he, because he, didn't he hurt his hand doing that one time? I'm sure they're reluctant. Last year. Yeah. Do you want to know, guess how many bases Mike Trout stole in 2012, his first full season in the league? 49. Yes. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. God damn it. I hate you. (laughs) Go on baseball reference less. I've looked um, at that page so many times. It's just a wor- <laughs> it's just art. <laughs> um, I was mentioning that David Wright was on that list in 2007, which to see like a third baseman who's not real. I mean, he had good speed, but who wasn't really. He was more of a uh, like an intelligent base dealer that rather than just a burner. That's like I don't know who's the closest 2018 comparison to David Wright right now. Nolan Arenado. Yeah, I guess Matt that Chapman. would be. Yeah, Nolan Arenado or Matt Chapman. And do you want to guess how many steals Nolan Arenado has this year? Uh, I'm going to go with two. Yes. <laughs> Did you know that also? No, that was just a guess. Are you, <laughs> <laughs> Are you just the guy who runs baseball reference? Yes, I am. I'm sorry I'm ruining your, uh, your unveils. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that, that's my point, though. Not even anywhere close. Not even trying. He's only tried four times. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you make that point about Wright too and being like a smart base dealer. Like it's not like Wright had wheels like Trout or Lindor or Acuna. He just stole, would steal it off the pitcher, steal it off the catcher and like knew when to take his base as opposed to just kind of running wild on the bases. And that's where you get like Billy Hamilton or something like that. And like that's uber fun too. I mean, everyone should just steal bases as much as they can. In my opinion, but yeah. uh, another news: Mike Trout running a 196 OPS plus. Anyway, uh, we have to move on. But shout out to Jose Ramirez. Wish you the best, dude. Hope you do 40 40 someday, or somebody does it again in our lifetimes. Um, and when we come back, a little bit of drama 
in some locker rooms slash some announcing booths this week. So we'll get into that. So the Tiger season is, you could say that it's not going great. Uh, actually, I just looked at the standings, and they're somehow in third place despite playing like 400 baseball, but that's another matter for another day. That division uh, is something else, man. It really is. But I guess their announcers are uh, are getting a little antsy up there in the booth. And that's the kind of thing that maybe tends to happen when you're cooped up with someone for like, uh, you know, 160 games a year. Yeah. But, you uh, and I used to just fist fight all the time at the at the Washington Square News offices. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it carried over into the podcast. Like we would we would fight before uh, and after going on air just to kind of let the let the juices out. Um, so, so a report from the athletic this past week uh, said that the play-by-play guy, Mario Impemba and the color commentator, Rod Allen got into a physical (laughs) altercation, like after a Tigers game against the White Sox, the, the athletic called it an attack, which is very strong language. And then channel four news in the local Detroit area, I guess, uh, came out with a story afterwards that said uh, Impemba left the broadcast booth at some point and Allen followed, assaulting Impemba from behind and choking him. The altercation was because of a disagreement over a chair in the booth. Wow. What? Okay, I, I really didn't think this baseball season could offer us any more, but here we are. <laughs> okay, hear me out. Part of me is like, that's an insane thing to attack your broadcast booth partner over. Another part of me... <laughs> Thinks back to your reaction when I was actually steal your tear at the Washington Square News News office. <laughs> <laughs> you had yeah. far and away the best chair. You had it moved from our old office to our new office specifically. Yeah, and you it was said a great chair. This is the editor in chief's chair. <laughs> <laughs> it was the your most tyrant moment. It was in fact your only tyrant moment in our entire three years of friendship. <laughs> and I'm like, if I took it and I wouldn't give it back, I think you might have fought me. Yeah. I think yeah, you might have fought me. Right that. <laughs> uh yeah, all right, that's fair. Now I'm on now I'm on Rod Allen's side, I guess. Is he the one who attacked? Yeah, he was the attacker. He was the attacker. Okay. So well, in this yes. case, I guess I'm Mario in Pemba. <laughs> <laughs> um the athletics said that the, the I guess there was just a lot of tension boiling over from difference in broadcasting styles, which like part of me is like that's a weird thing to figure out about each other, like a decade and a half into your broadcasting relationship. <laughs> like this feels like something you would kind of iron over in over the first few games. Actually, when can you I start to you realize, for a sec? I think we yes. have different podcasting styles. We just need to stop. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna fly out to LA and fist fight you and we're gonna figure this out. Attack me from behind. <laughs> uh yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe they just wanted to go their separate ways. They just 
this this stuff happens after unions after a while. I guess. I mean, you have to announce the Tigers for 15 years. Yeah, it gets. If you rough. think about it, if that if that math is right, their first season was the 03 Tigers, the worst baseball team in our lifetime. <laughs> True. Not setting a good precedent for being in a good mood around each other. That's for sure. Yeah. So it sounds like they're both done. Like neither of them's coming back to the booth this year. Wait, really? Which, at all? Yeah, at all. I saw that they weren't coming back. They they didn't come back the next day. But uh, no. I- Apparently, they're done for the year. Fox Sports Detroit's general manager did not deny that the altercation happened, saying, quote, My only comment is that we are addressing an internal matter, and we will not have any further comment at this time. I love that. I love that like general executive speak when there's a Deadspin article about your announcers fighting each other. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. I can't wait to get to that point with you. I know, me too, right? I hope we're still doing tipping pitches long enough uh, for us to start having disagreements over broadcasting styles. I have news for you. If we're 15 years in and not making any money off this, either I will definitely be fist fighting you every week or we won't be doing tipping pitches anymore. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on to just some generally disappointing news of the week that we had to talk about. Uh, The one good thing left in our life in 2018 has been ripped from us uh, like candy from a baby. Uh, Shohei Otani has been recommended to undergo Tommy John surgery because of damage to his ulnar collateral ligament. And, uh, and nothing's good. Everything is bad. I'm going back to bed and sleeping until April. Yeah, sounds about right, man. I want to say, first of all, this happens... Every single time I start to love someone. Yeah. And second of all. You fall for a girl and then she tears her own collateral ligament. And you're like, ah. God, another one. (laughs) Um, Second of all, I want to say the angels have done every single possible thing they can to fuck up the situation. So who knows if Otani will actually get the surgery and be back in April. So you might want to sleep a little longer. Yeah. Apparently he hasn't decided He's not going to make a decision until after the offseason, which is interesting. Or until the offseason. How does that make... I don't understand how that makes sense, though. I don't like, really either. If he has it in the offseason, he won't be back until 2020. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, Zach Wheeler had it and he was out like I mean, either, three either way, either way, he's not going to be back until 2020. It just feels like you're postponing it like a month and a half. Like, you're just going to come back a month and a half later than you normally would have. Yeah, I guess. I guess since we're so close to the end of the year that he can hit for the rest of the year and, and have it then. But that makes it sound like he hasn't even decided that he's going to have it at all. Right, right. So are we just done with Shohei Otani pitching? I don't know. I mean, no, I do not think so. Like the, yeah, so so you said that, you know, the Angels totally fucked this up. And like, there's a part of me that is wants to lash out at anything close to me and the angels are a very easy target. And so (laughs) they probably, it's reasonable to raise questions about how they handle their pitchers and their corresponding elbows. At the same time, I think it's, I think it's tough because you have a generational talent like Shohei Otani, who does something that we haven't seen players do in, you know, 90 years, basically. And you kind of want to ride it out and see 
how long we can keep him on the field because especially because he puts butts in the seats and everyone wants to see Shohei Otani. So I cannot imagine that they will they would let him just never get the surgery because him as a pitcher and a hitter and doing both of those things very, very well is insanely valuable. So you would have to think that they just want him to get their surgery now and get it over with. And then he just comes back healthy and ready for the, I guess, 2020 season. That seems so far away. I think no, it really does. I think they want him to like hit for the rest of the year. Yeah. And then get it. I think that makes the most sense for them. But I just want to go back a little bit. They knew he had a strain, I guess you could call it, not an actual tear. And they let him pitch through it. And then now he has the actual tear and they're not going to do anything about it. Like, I don't know. This is the same team that has essentially, I don't want to say like ruined Garrett Richards, arm, but they pretty much have. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's hard for me to trust them when they don't have a track record of keeping pitchers, anything close to healthy. And they've been sort of not transparent about the decisions that they've been making with Otani and why they're making them. Like if they're letting him be a hitter because they think he will just continue to add value that way. And they're going to, they're just going to punt on pitching. I would almost rather them just say it, you know, rather than this like two pronged approach that they're taking. Like, Oh, like we're just going to let him keep hitting for the time being. But like everyone knows when they look at him, he's also a pitcher and his UCL is torn. Yeah. I still think it's insane how Tanaka's arm is still on his body because he's, he did the same thing. Essentially. He had like a partial tear or a strain in his UCL when he came right. over and started pitching for the Yankees and he just like never had the surgery. Yeah. Well, he just got like the PRP injections, right? Didn't they go yeah. that route? And it just, it actually like worked. I think that's the, is that the only time it's worked? I'm not sure. Did they even try that with Otani though? I think they did. Yeah. I think when they got the earlier in the season, mm. when he went out, I think they did the injections. I think they did the injections and technically this is a new tear. Like from what I understand, he had the injections into his elbow. Supposedly it healed. It looked okay. He got the okay to start pitching again. And then he pitched. And then I guess his elbow was hurting. And they took a look at it. And they were like, yeah, buddy, you're all torn up in here. Yeah. Well, I think I think this underscores a larger point. And with also with the White Sox, Michael Kopech also needing, use, uh, needing Tommy John with a torn UCL. It's sort of like malpractice league-wide. The way that teams just encourage guys to just throw harder and harder and harder and harder. And like, there seems to be no cap on this. Like Jordan Hicks throwing 105 and like averaging 102 or whatever the hell he's averaging. Like, no one's arm can sustain that. There's just like science proving that, you know? Nobody's body can sustain what Noah Syndergaard throws, as much as I hate to say that. And he's been a little healthier this year, but like he had the torn lat last year. And essentially, everyone in the world who studies this is like waiting with bated breath for his UCL to snap. And I'm like, Maybe we need to have a functional reevaluation of how we think about how our pitchers are supposed to be good and whether we need to start mixing in more off speed or whether we need to start telling guys not to throw as hard as humanly possible. Um, I was at work and we were having a conversation about how whether or not like smaller workloads as we continue with like the opener and things like that and and starters not going as deep into games and throwing like five innings, whether that will actually help limit this problem i don't know the way i come down on it is like no because whether or not michael kopak is pitching five or seven innings he's still throwing 100 miles an hour and at any point within those five innings like 
his UCL could just quit on him. And you still see with relievers having increased Tommy John rates as the velocity continues to go up and they're not getting higher workloads. If anything, they have, they come in and throw eight pitches at a time. So I don't know. To me, it's like, I don't want to just completely be, I don't want to completely be the person that's like, pitchers should not throw hard anymore and they should just throw 160 pitches at 91 miles an hour like i don't i don't really know if that's the solution because no team is going to agree to do that but also like i don't think teams have as much of an incentive to keep guys healthy long term as they need to have yeah it is interesting and it makes me it makes me wonder at what point we will reach some sort of tipping point where teams really do feel like they need to evaluate it and like Right now, I don't think we've reached that point because, especially because the surgery is so successful, like has such a high success rate. Most teams are like, you know what? We will eat the year that it takes for you to recover from this because we know that you're probably, chances are that you're going to come back and be okay. And the velocity will probably still be there. And, you know, there will, like, there's obviously risk involved, but I think most teams are like, you most pitchers are good enough that it's like we are willing to take that risk. And I do wonder whether the focus will start to shift more to um, instead of being like, we need you to throw harder, but like you were saying, like incorporate different pitches or um, learning how to gain an edge after the ball leaves your hand. Right. So like different, like, like mapping pitches out and creating new pitches even, or like trying to create different forms of movement on off-speed pitches rather than saying, well, we just want you to like keep throwing the same pitches, but like harder and harder and harder, right? So incorporating different elements of pitch tunneling or whatever it is, like all these advanced things. Um, and like, I don't know. I don't know when or if we'll reach that point in part because I think that like while there's been a lot of alarmism over Tommy John in the last kind of like half decade or so. If I recall correctly, I don't think that like the rates are going up necessarily. In I think in like 2013, 2014, we were really wringing our hands about it because everyone was getting it, right? Like Strasburg and Harvey and Jose Fernandez. And it seemed like everyone was going under the knife to some extent. And if I recall correctly, I think that that has kind of tailed off a little bit like that was almost just a blip on the on the whole Tommy John spectrum but that said it certainly is something that I don't think teams really know how to reckon with it's kind of just like well this is the only path forward and yeah. I un- I understand why that is because it would be I can't imagine that teams or GMs or whatever would take too well to someone coming in and saying you need to throw less hard than you're doing and it will help you out because there's such a competitive edge that is lost there. Yeah. I will say, first of all, this is now the driveline baseball podcast with you talking about (laughs) different pitch types and tunneling and arm (laughs) slots and stuff. That was, that was great. Good stuff. Um, I will say it would stand to reason though, that if everyone got it in, if all of the premier pitchers got it in 2013 and 14, like, we would just be going we would just be coming upon another like rash of it where we'd be wringing our hands again because it takes time for a new crop of great pitchers to come back up and then wreck their arms you know so like if otani and garrett richards and other guys will need to get it this year kopech guys like that 
we could be just not to be bleak, but we could be just entering into a new phase of being like, wow, every good young pitcher needs Tommy John. Yeah, but and like I don't know what the answer is, I guess. Like I don't know how you move forward with that. Just like I was saying, I think most teams are willing to shoulder the bird. And that's why like that's why the Otani thing is I think especially baffling because the Angels are out of contention this year and the clock's ticking on Mike Trout's contract and on Otani's contract. And it seems to me like you really would just want to pull the trigger on this as fast as possible. Now, you may want to reevaluate how you approach the whole situation down the road. But right now, one would think that the angels would just be like, look, we know that your elbow is messed up in there. We want to do whatever we can to fix it in like the most sure way possible. Because what you don't want is for him to keep postponing it a few months. And then all of a sudden, you've wasted his 2021 season two or is 2020 season also so yeah i would like to see maybe a little more proactive thinking on the angels part i also agree with you that i don't really know if there's much that can be done i don't want to see pitchers getting like a preemptive tommy john surgery but i feel like that's where we're heading because it almost i mean it feels like once you get it i don't know if this is actually true but it feels like once pitchers have gotten it they've sort of like gotten it out of the way in some sense and then like are healthy for a while going forward and i don't know the science behind that but i don't i don't think it's the move to just be like well every pitcher is going to tear his ucl let's just give him the surgery from when once we start seeing any uh adverse sign or once we see him throwing 99 miles an hour right yeah 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 and it's hard because like these are players who have built up hundreds and hundreds and thousands of innings on their arm right like so many pitches going back to when they were like 12 years old, right? And were probably uh, among the harder throwers in their little league too, right? So yeah. this is... Like me, man, maybe, I got a torn UCL. It's in there for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure there are a lot of people who have some elbow issue that they aren't even necessarily aware of. And like, I think that's why the surgery, maybe that's why you see players kind of recovering from it and and or it holding up so long because it's essentially new life, right? It's like, okay, it took... Um, 5,000 innings for this thing to break. Now you have another five to 10,000 innings before this one starts to break again too. So, yeah. All right, well, that's a bleak sort of way to end <laughs> this week's episode. Uh, well, I guess we'll just have to sit tight and wait. If there's anything that baseball is good at, it's figuring things out slowly. So <laughs> we're just going to have to be patient and see what the natural response is, man. See when that market corrects itself. <laughs> all i can say is right now uh shohei otani for rookie of the year i mean he's True. certainly the most valuable player in my heart oh yeah also he's just hitting dingers every day now which i'm not every single at. we we didn't even talk about the, the most bizarre part of this which is that he got the announcement to, that he was going to get tommy john and then hit two home runs that night and Good has God. since like, hit a home like three other home runs yeah the man is an icon yeah gotta love it gotta love it how many mistakes do it take till you leave when I'm left with my hand and my face all red and the face looking at you like I know I ain't a saint if it ain't too late well don't run away so fast no my heart like gold but it break like glass no my shit get old and I act so young baby you so cold never had no son you don't wanna grow up you the shit no fun so when I get home I'ma give you some make you feel like alright uh, we wanna thank everyone for listening to another episode of Tipping Catches uh 
we're really we would really appreciate some some questions some suggestions for segments you know it's a tough couple weeks here in september uh before the the stretch run really starts so if you have something that you think we should be talking about if we're if there's a huge area of baseball that we're somehow missing we're all ears so that's tipping pitches pod at gmail.com tipping underscore pitches on twitter yeah alex you got anything anything else the A's were begging for fans to come out and watch their team earlier in the year. And now here we are in the middle of September, just begging for a listener question. Just give us one. Give <laughs> us something. Like, we'll, we'll milk it for the whole episode uh, if you just send us something to talk about. Because it's good we're, enough, uh, man. <laughs> we're running enough. out of ideas over here. <laughs> no, we'll be back with some great ideas soon. And uh, hopefully we can secure some guests for the playoffs start. Uh, we're going to give it a, our best effort. To try to get some cool people on to come and talk to us uh but for now we could yeah we could use some questions not gonna lie <laughs> uh yeah but thank you for listening everyone we appreciate your patronage and uh and go check us out on radio public because we uh we make a few cents that way and that's fun literally a few cents <laughs> yeah it's only a few cents <laughs> all right uh we'll be back next week Right, see you then. I just think that's some bullshit. Okay, I seem inviting. Trust me, she's a titan. This week she like them. Next week they fighting. Need protection. All your dress is bulletproof. You say Every once in a while I think about how we complain about MLB not marketing their players. And then I'll be on like Instagram and they'll be like tweeting out videos of Trout or Acuna or whoever. And the comments will all be like, oh, I can't believe you're tweeting about Acuna again. <laughs> <laughs> like... Uh, what do we want? I'm like, baseball I guess fans are never satisfied. Literally. <laughs> never. Never satisfied. <sighs> like, did you just get this MLB at bat notification about Trevor Williams? Three laughing emojis. Los Angeles Chargers cornerback Trevor Williams showed up to the game in a Pirates Trevor Williams jersey today. Now that now is that funny. That is funny. <laughs> Good God. MLB is literally telling me, verbatim telling me when stuff is funny now. Ugh. Uh, 